Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. During this time of isolation and deprivation, we struggle to find meaning and hope to get through these times. In our isolation or separation, we have all had to leave a lot behind, and so we look forward to what is to come. Whether you are a person of traditional faith or just find yourself struggling for answers, you're welcome to join us. In today's sermon, I'm going to be drawing upon the work of Dr. Elizabeth Kugler-Ross and her groundbreaking work on grieving our losses. I hope that you'll find it helpful where you are in coping with these difficult times. Jesus and his disciples were no strangers to struggle and loss. In today's gospel, we overhear a conversation between Jesus and Peter as Peter struggles with the grim reality that they're about to face. The reading comes from the 16th chapter of St. Matthew. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. The Gospel of our Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's only natural to try to hold on to the things and the people that we love. That was why Peter argued with Jesus when he told him that he was going to have to suffer and die. Not only did Peter not want his friend and teacher to suffer, he didn't want to lose him. It seems strange to us, then, that Jesus speaks so harshly to him. Get behind me, Satan. That's one of the harshest things that we know Jesus ever said to anybody. Referring to one of your beloved followers as Satan seems pretty extreme. Jesus seems insensitive to the loss that Peter was resisting. Losses of all kinds cause us pain. When we experience loss, we need to grieve. If we do not grieve, or if we're not allowed to grieve, we will have a hard time moving on, and we may carry emotional and spiritual scars of our loss for a long time, maybe forever. My older sister gave birth to a stillborn baby. At the time, she had four healthy children. I was pretty young when this happened, but I remember that the members of our family, her friends, and even the pastor at our church, told her to focus on the healthy children that she had, not on the one that she'd lost. Now, while I know people were trying to comfort her, she felt that they were trying to minimize her loss. There was no funeral and no burial. She was told to get over it. She was made to feel that there was something wrong with her for not being able to move on and let go right away. They even discouraged her from naming the baby, which she did anyway. For years after her loss, a dark hole of pain opened up on what would have been baby Sam's birthday, and she would fall into deep depression. Not until many years later did a sensitive young pastor who came to our church hold a belated memorial acknowledging her loss, 
which finally gave her permission to grieve and find some peace. In 1969, Swiss-American psychiatrist Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote a groundbreaking book about how we grieve, and it was titled On Death and Dying. Based on years of experience working with dying people and their families, she identified five stages of grief that the dying experience in dealing with letting go of this life. Death, after all, is the ultimate loss of everything. The stages that Kubler-Ross identified are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. She pointed out that these stages are not necessarily sequential, but they will manifest in most people at some time in the grieving process. Her work changed the way we think about death and became a foundation of the hospice movement in America. While the purpose of On Death and Dying was to help the dying person, the framework provided by her five stages of grief can also be applied to those who are left behind in dealing with the loss of the person they loved. And the stages can also be applied to any sort of significant loss that we experience, such the loss of a job, the loss of a physical ability like sight or mobility, or the loss we experience during divorce. The important takeaway from all of this is that our losses must be grieved in order for us to move on with life in a healthy way. We witness Jesus' disciples exhibiting all of these stages of grief. Peter was in denial. God forbid it, Lord, this can't happen to you. And they bargained with him, tried to conjole him into changing his mind to use his power to save himself. They got angry. One of his disciples took up a sword and cut off the ear of one of the soldiers who came to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. They experienced depression. After his death, they gathered together in a darkened room, feeling defeated. And finally, after he had been resurrected and ascended into heaven, leaving them for the final time, they got their act together and went out to spread the good news, which ended up in the founding of the church. They had reached acceptance and moved on. The COVID-19 pandemic has inflicted terrible losses on us all. And when I say us all, I mean it. Every man, woman, and child on earth has been affected, some more than others. People have lost their lives. People have lost loved ones. Workers have lost their jobs. The retired or those thinking of retirement have lost their financial security. Students have been robbed of their graduation ceremonies, and they may feel that they've lost their futures. We have lost at least some degree of our freedom of movement. It feels as though we've lost our way of life. And so we need to grieve. We must grieve our losses if we're going to come out on the other side of this global tragedy, whole and healthy. We are all experiencing different losses. But we all have the right to own our losses, and we need to acknowledge and respect the losses of others. As the reality of the pandemic sunk in and things started to shut down, we began to consider the likely losses that we were about to incur. My daughter left her job as an attorney a few years ago to seek an advanced degree in coastal environmental management. And she was set to graduate from Duke University in May. As it became clear 
that her live graduation ceremony would be canceled. She called home understandably upset. Now, sensitive father and pastor that I am, I sought to console her by reminding her that she'd walked across the stage when she graduated from high school and college and law school. Those are great days. In other words, I was a totally insensitive jerk. Had I not learned anything from my sister's experience or my 30 years of pastoral care and counseling, I had minimized and invalidated her loss. That, my friends, is neither comforting nor cool, of which I was gently reminded. Now, to my credit, I recognized the error of my ways and apologized. But the point is, my daughter has a right to grieve the loss that she experienced. Loss is not a competitive sport. You have a right to your loss. I have a right to my loss. We all have a need to grieve. Right now, we need to support one another in our grief as sensitively and as wisely as we can. We need to acknowledge and honor the losses that people around us are suffering. We need to recognize our own losses so that we can understand some of the reactions that those losses are manifesting in us. So let's look at our grieving through the lens of Kubler-Ross's five stages. Denial. I was talking with a young man recently, and he said, I walked through the deserted streets down, downtown last night, and it felt like I was in a science fiction movie. I'd had the, exactly the same experience. This can't be real. This isn't real. I'm going to wake up from this nightmare on Elm Street, and everything will be back to normal. Yet I wake up every morning to be confronted with the bad news that COVID-19 is very real indeed. Denial can take another form. You hear this all the time. Ah, COVID-19 is no worse than the flu. Or the government and the news media are just blowing this all out of proportion. Or I'm not going to wear a mask because I'm not going to get it. Or even if I get it, I'll get over it. The upshot of all these comments is that if we refuse to believe it, it can't be true. Denial is a powerful tool of the human mind, and denial has its place. It helps us get through the initial shock of serious loss. Denial helps us survive the news that we aren't ready or able to hear. I remember the night my brother died of a heart attack. When we got the call from the doctor, my wife and I both said, well, this can't be true. There's been a mistake. We just left him at the hospital a few minutes ago and he was resting peacefully. At that moment, we couldn't hear the truth. Denial was our friend. But denial can only protect us for so long. Eventually, it becomes destructive. We can't live our lives in a perpetual state of delusion. And so we've developed other grieving tools. Anger. Is there any anger out there? You bet your sweet biffy there is. Just turn on the TV news and anger jumps out of the screen at you. Politicians are throwing blame at one another over who responded too late to the pandemic and who is overreacting. Angry protesters, some of them armed, are marching on state houses to get governors and legislatures to lift draconian stay-at-home measures that are choking our economy. 
Others respond angrily that their lives will be put at risk if we rush to get back to normal too quickly. And they yell at people in supermarkets to put their masks on. Even you may feel a knot of anger in your stomach right now about something I just said. Facebook and other social media sites are brimming over with angry rhetoric. Conspiracy theories abound about who is really behind this pandemic, or plandemic, as one viral video called it. Is it the Chinese? Is it Bill Gates and Dr. Fauci? Is Mark Zuckerberg trying to rob us of our freedom of speech? Fear can lead us down some pretty deep rabbit holes. All conspiracy theories are based on pieces of the truth, stitched together to provide certainty where there is none. Have government officials made mistakes? Yes. Are scientists sometimes wrong? Yes. Do we need to protect our rights as a free society? Of course. Are there bad actors out there profiting from human misery? There always are. But let us be aware that our conspiracy theories are born of anger and fear. Our anger is real. As part of our grieving, we can own it. We can gently allow others to own their anger, too. It's important to realize, however, that our generalized anger can seek out innocent targets and become destructive, even deadly. Anger becomes its own problem if we get stuck there. Bargaining. Let's make a deal. We're in a bad spot here. I tell you what, if the government will lift the restrictions that are causing so much pain, we'll do better. We'll work to figure this out. We're reasonable people. If the Republicans and Democrats will just work together, then things will be fine. Religious folk bargain with God. You know, God, we understand that you're mad at us, and you have every reason to be. But if you make this thing go away, if you will withdraw the plague from the land, we're going to have a religious revival in our country that you wouldn't believe. I'll have my butt in the pew on Sunday morning instead of playing golf. If only you will... Well, bargaining can work for a while to give us a sense of hope. Unfortunately, microorganisms aren't fair negotiators, and we know that. Our bargaining is just another tool in our grieving toolbox. Depression. The darkest and unfortunately the most prevalent stage of grieving is depression. We can reach a point in our grief when the loss just seems to be too much, and we just want to give up. We're tired out. I want to crawl in a hole and be left alone. The things that used to give us joy and pleasure, they just don't cut it anymore. I don't even want to do it. After almost two months of sheltering in place with our losses piling up, we're seeing lots of signs of depression in people. I've seen video after video on Facebook featuring unkempt men and women walking around in their pajamas all day, glued to their iPhones or other devices with these vacant, sad looks on their faces. They binge-watched everything on Netflix and Amazon Prime. And even when the weather turns nice, they just can't get up the energy to go outside. And in its extreme, when there seems absolutely no way out and the pain gets too great, Depression can lead to suicide. 
Now, even depression has purpose in the grieving process. Depression is a kind of hibernation that we go into when the pain is just too much to bear. The writer of Ecclesiastes acknowledges that life isn't always about laughing and dancing. There's also a time when we just need to sit in our rooms and weep. There's a time that all we can do is mourn. There is no prescribed length for depression. It can last a long time. For some people, depression is an illness that requires professional treatment and medication. As part of the grieving process, depression will eventually reach its end and the light will begin to fill the darkness. Acceptance. Well, we're nearing the goal of our grieving, acceptance. And most of us will get there with the COVID-19 pandemic. Some already have. You know, we wish life could go back to the way it was, but it's not going to anytime soon. We have to deal with what we are calling the new normal. Now, that phrase in itself is acknowledgement of acceptance. We're ready to move on and face the challenges ahead of us with renewed energy and courage. We can do that because we've grieved the past. Acceptance isn't necessarily a once-and-for-all solution to our problems. We're likely to backslide and replay some of the earlier stages of grief. The most common replay that I have witnessed is returning to anger and depression. And we can ping-pong between these two states again and again. You may feel that you're dealing with things really well, and then wake up one morning and you're just mad as hell at the world for no apparent reason. The reason is, you're still grieving. Or tomorrow, you may not want to get out of bed at all. Depression has crept back in around the corners of your bruised psyche. The more we're aware of the source of our anger and depression, the more likely and quickly we can move on again. But don't rush it. Finding meaning. Dr. David Kessler, a grief counselor who who worked with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in further developing her work on grief, has recently described a sixth stage of grieving, making meaning. We need not stagnate in a state of helpless acceptance. Experiencing and working through our losses can lead us to the threshold of not only a new normal, but a better normal. Learning from the past, we can build a new future on a more robust foundation than we had before. This is the part of the story that's yet to be written. Each of us will write our own chapter, and then we will help to birth a new future. But let me circle back to those disciples that Jesus left behind. They went out and started a movement based on love that altered the course of history for 2,000 years but they had to experience the devastating loss of their beloved friend and teacher and the destruction of all their hopes and dreams of glory to find a new way to that future. They had to grieve the old to make way for the new. Yes, we've lost a lot, and there's undoubtedly a lot more loss to be incurred. We will continue to experience the necessary pain of grief. But it is never too early to start envisioning the new. You will help to build it. Jesus encouraged Peter to set his mind on divine things 
not earthly things. He challenged him to set his eyes on the kingdom of God. It may seem a long way off, but if we can look through the veil of the present, we may catch a glimpse of the future which God promises and which we can have a part in building. So go ahead. Say it isn't true. Get mad. Try to make a deal. Sit around and mope for a while. That's all okay. You see, you're grieving. You're on the road to, I can deal with this. And we will get there together with the grace of God. Amen. Thank you for joining me. It is my prayer that God will protect you and comfort you through all the difficult times of your life. Until next time, be safe, stay strong in your faith, and keep healthy. Most of all, don't be too hard on yourself. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you with grace and mercy. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace.